a listener production. You are listening to episode 127 of the Howie Games, part B, featuring Dylan Olcott. Onwards, I say. Hey, tennis, and I do write stuff down. I often say I don't write stuff down, but when someone has achieved so much on the sporting field and I think I don't want to get this the wrong way around, I'm occasionally forced to write stuff down. So Kelly Slater again, I I had to write down what years he won the title in. So I have Mick Fanning on. I don't need to because he's won three. He's a superstar, (laughs) but I know when he's won them. Yours is like that. And when you go multi-sport, my man, so you debuted for the Rollers – internationally at a big level at 2016 World Championships. But at age 17 in 2008, you went to Beijing for the Paralympics. What was the experience like as Darcy walks in? Darcy rarely appears. Darcy. He walks in the guru. Yeah, I'm actually. Do you play golf? Do you play golf or not? I can hit about 150 open arm. Darcy can't. And he thought he could. He thought he could. Hey, Darcy. We went to a big golf day and he couldn't. Hang on, hang on, Darcy. You also produce three of Australia's leading podcasts. He does. Howie Games. Yeah. Hamish and Andy. Yes. And Listen Able. Yes. If three of us are hanging off a cliff, you can save one. Yes. Your favourite kid. I'll tell you the answer. No, no. It's Hamish and Andy. He loves Hamish and Andy. He loves Hamish and Andy. Loves him. What if you want Hamish? What if you want Hamish? Don't worry about Hamish. He does all three of ours. We're the players, you and I. We are. Yeah. So, so your first Paralympics. Yeah, Paralympics. And, yeah, and you get Paralympics. You know what Paralympics stands for? No, tell me. Have a guess. There's the Olympic part. Yeah. The Olympics, the pinnacle of sport. What's the para stand for? Again, you're not going to offend me. What do you think it is? First thing that comes in your head. What am I? Well, you've told me you're disabled. Yeah, but I'm paraplegic, aren't I? Or right. paralyzed. Is okay. that what you thought it was? I, I never really thought about it. Means it means parallel Olympics. I mean, the Paralympics and Olympics run alongside one another. So there's no O. It's Paralympics. Paralympics. Yep. Paralympics. Around the same time, same country, same sport, same sports. I hadn't actually thought of it, but that, that would Makes be a natural sense. conclusion. Fighting for the same. Only difference is at the Paralympics, we have a D word, you can say it. Disabled. Disability. Right. And we're heaps better looking and of course. more marketable. Yes. To big banks. And a lot better spoken. And I, thank you. Yeah. It's the Parallel Olympics. Parallel Olympics. Paralympics. There I you didn't go. know that. So you get to the first Parallel yeah. Olympics. So, I'm not going to give the result away. You, what was. You've done international air travel. You've done it all at that stage. Oh, mate, it's unbelievable, man. Is it everything it's oh. cracked up to be, the Olympics? So I started playing basketball when I was almost 15. Two years later, I got picked up. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Oh, man. I used to go down to this place called the King Club in Sandringham in Melbourne, and my brother, my brother used to play there. Sounds like a venue you go to late it, at night. Well, I mean, maybe it is now. <laughs> uh, and, um, and, you know, I used to shoot hoops with my brother like I, so I could do it. I knew how to push a wheelchair. From tennis, like like athletically, yeah. I, mate. I just went to basketball. I don't know why I got I got a six foot four and a half arm span. It's massive. It is. I could just shoot shoot three straight away. All that steroids early doing. <laughs> yeah, come on, mate. Wide is going to come. <laughs> um, you were, you were three. You were weeks old. That's okay. Have an so I come <laughs> um, and so I just had. I don't know why, mate. I could just do it. I got picked. Amazing. <laughs> the village itself. Before you, so the first time you put on an Australian oh. singlet. Oh, I just couldn't believe it. Do you get in the mail? Like, no, nah, they do. We do a trophy. We do a singlet presentation, presentation as well. And I think, like, just to set up what it means to play Paralympic sport. Please do. You know, like, you know, we were lucky enough to to, to go. We got to the tournament, you know, and like we played people from all around the world, from all, from all different you know walks of life, all different countries. 
different socioeconomic as well. Like, you know, we played out, we were number three in the world heading in. Um, the USA was number two. The Canadian wheelchair basketball team was number one. Now, if you're Canadian, I apologize. I just cannot tell you how much I hate Canada because they had lost two games of basketball in 10 years. Unbelievable. Back-to-back gold medals, world champs, incredible. <laughs> so we, we thought we'd go all right, but we didn't know. We played our first game. Just to put in the scope of how, you know, amazing that some athletes are with disabilities. We played Brazil. The chair that I'm in today is worth 10 grand. It's made out of titanium. It's got carbon wheels. The, the basketball chairs, they have a thing called camber, so the wheels are a bit different. Yes. Angled, so you can turn fast. Yep. 12 and a half. My current tennis chair is a carbon fiber mold of my body, the same way Daniel Ricciardo oh, has the same a, a carbon seat sitting. Okay. In, his, in his F1 car. Yeah. My te- current tennis chair is worth 40 grand. <sighs> Two and a, uh, so we're like in a 2021 four hour year. Brazil, we play in them. Go to hospital. You know, the airport, yeah. you know those big shitty wheelchairs you get? Yeah. Brazil? Yeah. Pretty much playing basketball in these chairs. Okay. Uh, Half time, we're down by 21 points in our first game. You're getting smoked. Smoked. Uh, I thought, honestly thought Michael Jordan had an illegitimate Brazilian love child who had a work safe accident, right. lost his legs, right? This guy hit seven threes in the first half. <laughs> really? Yeah. From perimeter stuff? From perimeter. Right. And somehow, I was 17, the next youngest was 24, and- my coach, Bennett. What was it, 24? Because I couldn't find this online. I wanted to see who was the second so, youngest. Yeah, he's 24, I was 17. Okay. Yep. And my coach, guy called Ben Ettridge, probably listens. He used to call me Illin with no D because I didn't play defense. <laughs> yeah, laugh it up. See? Everyone <laughs> That's say, pretty good. It's not funny. It's very funny. See? You're all the same. <laughs> Everyone laughs when they hear it. It's good. Even my opponents go, go oh, Illin, here he is. Ship off, right? Mate, Point. you don't get big contracts for playing in defense, correct, mate. Correct. Correct, yeah. So <laughs> when you're down by 21 points, who needs defense? Correct. Threw me on, hit a couple of shots. We started pegging them back, pegging them back. We're down by 11 at three-quarter time. A bit closer, a bit closer again. And then my captain, who uh, I'll tell you a bit about in a minute, with one second to go, a guy called Brad Ness, uh, threw up the ugliest basketball shot you've ever seen in your life. Went round the ring once, round the ring twice. It's called a Danny roll. You heard of that? Yeah. Around a third time. Ball went in with 0.01 of a second to go. And we won that game by for, one point. For the win. For the win. And now here's the chance on the run. The opportunity there for Pessoa. Pessoa puts a shot up and misses. Australia had the chance. It's Brazil by one point. Australia with 13 seconds remaining. They must score. They must score. Norris there for Australia. Goes over the top. Here he goes. Here comes Everson. To Ness. Ness. Yes. Yes. Four seconds, three seconds, two seconds, one second. Australia win the game. You beautiful. Woo-hoo. Let's go. Bear with me, basketball is best, Mr. Walsh. So we went to the whole tournament. We got this feeling like it was our time to do something special. Got to the final. We we played Canada. Who'd as beaten the Yanks in the semi? the Yanks, as expected, played Canada. And I think we're down six at half time, but playing really well. And played some of the best basketball we ever have. And, I mean, people say – What's it like to go to the Paralympic Games? And this is what it's like. It so happened that it happened to me when I won a gold medal, right? But to sit on top of that podium with 12 of my best mates, guys that have been through hell and back in order to get there. I told you about my captain, Brad. He was a really good footy player back in the 90s, hopeful of getting drafted in the AFL, working over in the docks in Fremantle um, to earn a bit of money. And one day... I think one of his mates accidentally got one of the boat ropes tied around Brad's leg. Oh. The boat was docked. Captain of the boat thought someone said, go. Boat takes off. 
the rope tightens around his leg. And as Brad says, I think he says, I slice his leg straight off like a carrot on the dock. Oh, oh my God. No footy ever again in hospital. What am I going to do? Another one of my teammates beat cancer by the time he, four times by the time he was 11, lost his leg. Other ones had car accidents, uh, lost their fiance, lost their best mates. They were left paraplegics, never to walk a step again in their lives. Yeah, it's a long way back, isn't it? That's a long way back. And at one point in all of our lives, we'd all given up hope. I know I had. I've already told you how I felt. Yeah. Mate, I never thought my life was going to amount to anything. I really didn't. And I didn't think I'd be sitting here in front of you today, potentially sitting here at all, man, you know? And to sit on top of that podium, side by side, watching that flag go up with tears in our eyes, singing that national anthem, one of the best moments of my life. And, you know, we're not just inspirational athletes, we're elite athletes who train our ass off and put on a show every time that we play. That's why I love the Paralympics. But in that moment, I was 17 and it hit, I was like, wow, that's pretty special, you know? And it gives me goosebumps. And mm, I hope, me you know, too. Yeah. The coaches, handshakes all round. Two out of two, Troy Sachs. 72-60. I told you he was a confident guy. Brad Ness. Look at that. Australia, it means the world to them. They have gone there. They've taken the game to Canada in the second half. Ben Etridge, hugs all round, tears all round by the looks of it. And 99.999% of the population that's ever lived has no idea what it's like to win a gold medal for their country. And, Matt, I'm in that group, which is pretty cool. So to give people an understanding, not only did you win a gold medal, um, 2012, a silver medal, so that would have been London. You want to know something bad? Yeah, go on. I haven't said this publicly. Go on. Don't know where it is. Don't know where it is. The silver. Because I'm Grant still, Hackett style, you're disgusted with it? I'm still proud I won a silver medal, I guess. But in a two-horse race, you don't win a silver medal, you lose a gold medal. In a final. Okay. Canada, we lost to Canada. I think it's under my mum's bed, but if you do have it, please bring it back. They know exactly what's going to happen. The crowd knows what's going to happen, and so do the Australian players as well. Done and dusted by 64 points to 58. Delight on the Canadian side. Retaining, regaining rather their Paralympic gold medal that they lost four years ago and gaining revenge over this Australian side. And a few tears, I think, in the eyes of the coach, Jerry Tonello there. But you were part at that stage as well in the World Champs, uh, the all-star five team. So you're considered the the best five basketballers on the planet. Yep. So the obvious question, what is the key, what is required, what is the main skill needed to be a gum basketball? Yeah, I mean, the biggest skill needed to be good at sport is your mindset. Okay. So it's got, people think it's physical and yeah, you got to have skills, you got to work your ass off, you got to do it. Um, obviously in wheelchair basketball, the same way as able-bodied sport, you would say footwork, where you say chair skills is so important. Yeah. Uh, I had a point of difference because the people that play my position, you know, I'm a high level disabled person because I'm a high level paraplegic compared to say Brad who had one leg. So you need a combination of disabilities on the court at any one time. You can't just have five amputees on because they've got more mobility. They've got abs, things like that. So for the people that played in my position, not many of them shot baskets. They didn't do much. And I was shooting threes from 
Steph Curry range because I was a dickhead, but sometimes they went in. So you had that advantage. Had that range, which was un- really rare at huh. the time. Um, so that was my big point of difference. Uh, but uh, And the, the do you have to uh, – is there is there weight programs to generate speed? Like how do you get your speed? What type of training you're doing? Yeah. Because obviously any sport, the first person in the ball is the person who gets the ball. Correct. So speed is essential in any sport. Yeah, we do a lot of different things. We do like obviously stuff that you do in the gym, you know, bench press, chin-ups, all that. But we do a lot of stuff on court with like chair skills. So one big thing in basketball is – you have your wheelchair you're in, you've got three people hanging on the back, you do two pushes and then you stop and then you three put with like 300 kilos on the back. Okay. We call it towing, all kinds of things called like Christmas trees where you go two pushes forward, one push back, change direction, two pushes like a Christmas tree. Oh, hence a Christmas tree, okay. So all kinds of weird different things. They're actually integrating a lot of these things into CrossFit now as well. You know CrossFit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got adapted CrossFit games like in wheelchairs huh. where you do like clean and jerk, clean and jerk, all these different things with chairs. Really cool, the innovative ways people are learning how to. I learned so much off Instagram watching people train. And if you've seen my Instagram, I always think that training's boring. What's the Instagram handle for people? Uh, at Dylan Alcott. Yep. Um, I put a bunch of videos of me up doing my training recently and everyone's like, wow. One of them got 2 million views wow. online because they're like, just got shared. Like, wow. And I was like, oh, huh. it's boring to me. But to you, you know, they see me as the – Winning Grand Slam slash party guy slash on radio, not like, oh, Dylan actually trains for four hours a day. So I've started doing more of that stuff. Um, but like anything, the the best way to have to win a gold medal in basketball is have good teammates. Yeah, well. yeah, cool. I didn't do it by myself, mate. I, the, the, I had much better teammates than me. And I think I'm a better tennis player than I was basketballer. So what made the transition? And your, your tennis record uh, is it twelve quad single Grand Slam titles? Twelve single slams. Yep. Last seven Australian Opens, um, why, why the transition to tennis? Like you're a gun basketballer. Why do you think, oh, hang on, I'm going to swap sports now? Most important life thing in life is having a passion and a purpose to me. We, you know, if you're passionate about something, you'll be good at it. If you're good at it, you'll be successful. We all talk about, oh, no, we need a car, clothes, house, whatever. We as people. So we sit in jobs we hate. All of us are hopefully. Are, so many people do that. Mate, everyone. Everyone. Not everybody, but lo- no, sorry, so but like, many people. You, like, you'll be listening right now going, that's me. Yeah. Right? Yep. Hopefully, we're all a long time living. If you're a long time living, what are you? A long time working. So why waste your life doing something you don't enjoy? Couldn't agree more. I was like 22 and I was like, what am I doing? So What, with the hoops? Yep. Right. After, after. Well, you've, you've, you've climbed the mountain, mate, haven't you? That loss hurt me and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But right. you've achieved the ultimate Correct. at 17. You've won your. Yep. And I was gold medal. It's like, yeah. And if we never, I thought we might never get that again. I'll waste my life if I'm chasing that feeling, whatever. So I decided to go backpacking around the world in my wheelchair, 2013, by myself. Right? Now this is right up my alley. Yeah. Where'd you go? I went nine months. Well, if the immigration's asking, three months in America because that's where you're allowed. Yes. Four and a half months in America. Yeah. Four and a half months in Europe. Went okay. everywhere. Had mates in different spots. The best experience of my life. Favorite place? Uh, Berlin was sick. Spent a month there. Amsterdam. Uh, Manhattan was cool because two things happened. I got mugged in Chicago. I'm all, all about equality. Never thought I would get someone stealing my wallet when I'm disabled. Guess what? It happened. Right. Well, so, that's, that's equality. But the world works in a wonderful place. Went to a disabled bathroom in a park. What's that in the disabled bar? That's weird in the toilet. Just a Ziploc bag of money. No. In a toilet. Just sitting in a disabled toilet. So it was about two and a half grand US. 
I had no money. I was on a disability pension. Seriously? Yeah. Sitting there? Sitting there. What, drug deal gone wrong? Somebody picking it up, obviously. And I obviously gave it back to the cops. Of course you did. Of course you did. Yeah. Of course you and, did. And I gave it back. Uh, how funny is that? So anyway, I learned two valuable lessons. One, if you ever need help in life, all you have to do is ask for it, even if they don't speak your language. I was in Spain, stairs. Can you help me? Yep. Everyone helps. Uh, I also learned, secondly, I cannot tell you how many stairs there are in Europe. Oh, it's like wheelchair survivor. It is carnage. <laughs> I'm telling you. Shout out to Australia. We're getting good at access. Right. Can get better. I'm not saying it's great. But, right. Yeah. But I came back from my trip. Wanted to get a job on TV and radio, right? I'll t- tell you why later. But to get a job on TV, you got to be, in, you know, you're a sexy guy. You oh, gotta, yeah. You got to be fit. Got to have a tan. You got to look good. Can't, yep. can't be looking slobberish. Mm. So I had to hit a tennis because I used to play as a kid. I was all right. I was a pretty good tennis player as a kid. So I traveled a bit. I played tennis. But my old tennis coach, a guy called Greg Crump, said, you're a lot better at this now than before you left because I was fit, played basketball. Um, and he said, why don't you do this properly? I thought, no, nah, no interest. And I uh, decided to, I'm retired. He goes, come on, train up, enter the Australian Open, you know, uh, we'll try and get your wild card, see what happens. And trained up, got good, beat some people. Got a wild card into my first straight open after six months of being back in, in 2014. And how'd you go? Got got pumped. Enjoyed the experience though. What'd you learn? Uh, I I just, I loved the fact that it was, as you know now, but probably people didn't know back then, we played the same time as the able-bodied competitors. Yep. We had to start in the second week. It's obvious now because you can't get away from me during the coverage. But I was the best basketball in the world, one of the best basketballs in the world. How many times did I meet LeBron James? Zero. I'm playing tennis now and Roger Federer is next to me in locker number 67 and I'm in locker number 61. He's that's, like, get I'm Roger. That's cool. And I was like, get I'm Dylan. The first time I met him, he was naked actually. My hero. Right. Very interesting. And when you're in a wheelchair, what's my eye line, Howie? He's... Torso? Exactly. Uh, and and now he's like, get a deal, you know. Ralph was like, get a deal. You know, I text Ash Barty last night. Like, you know, I'm just part of the group. Like, I don't care I'm in a wheelchair. And that doesn't ha- that hadn't ha- that doesn't happen in hadn't happened in Paralympic sport. You know, it's the it's the most mainstream one, and I love that. I also love that I'm going to have a crack at an individual sport. I love that element. Yeah. I lost my first eleven finals in a row. Eleven. To David Wagner, my. American arch nemesis. So if you lost your first 11, you said you returned to tennis at that, so the 2014 Australian Open. Yeah. I've written down here January 2015, first Australian Open and first Grand Slam final. Played 14 tournaments in that year and I lost 11 finals. Well, it's a reasonably rapid rate of improvement. Oh, yeah, but I I keep, yeah, I went, I was number eight in the world after one year. Were you losing because you weren't good enough the finals or you didn't know how to win? Didn't, I, if you're up by 20 points in an AFL game, basketball, cricket, you're up by 40 runs with an overlap. What do you do? Nothing. You hold the ball. Yep. Tennis has no clock. Right. You've got to so do got to something to out. win. Exactly. Because what was I doing? Oh, these guys will lose it. Just get it back. Little soft forehand, bang, winner, bang, winner, bang, winner. And then I got a complex and I couldn't f- f- close it out. Huh. The second final I ever won was? Second final. 2015 Australian Open. Yeah, 2015. Not a bad one to pull it out in. And then I was set after that. But it took a different mindset. It took changing, like trying to do something to win rather than just uh, have tactics to win. And when did, on this run of seven unbroken Australian Open titles, 
did it go from not being seen in the coverage to a little highlight to people saying, where are we going to watch this? When yep. are we watching this? We want to watch our man in action. Yep. So it was the 2017 Australian Open. Yep. Uh, the one after the Paralympic Games in Rio. Yep. Was, we'll been, get back to Rio. Would have been on seven at the point. And I was, it was my first one commentating, did well. Uh, I studied commerce at Melbourne uh, when I arrived at school. Just a simple game of supply demand, economics. Yep. I said to Craig Tiley, my man, you know, I love you, but court eight hasn't got enough seats. Supply demand. I need a bigger court. You got to put me on Rod Laver. I need a bigger court. Well, people want to watch now. I need a bigger court. Yeah. Well, I like it. Yeah. So Craig's like, all right, I'll give you the biggest one. Rod Laver. Maybe five thousand people did, but it was a turning point. First ever Grand Slam final on a centre court of wheelchair tennis ever. It was before the women's final. Game, Next year, uh, it was 2018, I was in the, I had to play the semi-final against my doubles partner, Heath. It was the year that Hyung Chung, the Korean kid, made it to the semi-final. He was uh, playing Roger. Yeah. He had career-ending blisters on his foot, right? It was a rain delay outside. I was waiting for the rain to stop. I was following a mixed doubles on show called three. There was another mixed doubles too. Hyung and Roger went on. Rod Laver, it's seven o'clock. Eight o'clock, Hyung's done. He can't play. Prime time, There's baby. two matches to go left. Two matches left. The mixed doubles, which obviously would normally go on, or Heath and I. I'm asleep, like, in the dressing room. <laughs> I call it the, the locker room. Craig comes on and goes, Rod Laver, you're on, baby. And like... Get out there, 15,000 people, front row, Eric Banner, Mark Webber, James Tompkins, all stayed. Rocket Rod Laver stayed. Everyone stayed. Mate, can you believe that? No. Uh, and wheelchair tennis wasn't written into the contract. Channel 7 has the rights. They didn't even have wheelchair tennis in there. It wasn't even on there. So they weren't allowed to play that wheelchair tennis. And I kept saying, at it. And Craig, as we were rolling out, Craig and um, – uh, Nick from Channel 7 drafted up a contract, signed it there. Nick so they, Barrow. Nick Barrow. A good BGS boy. Was school. Nick Nick, and Nick and Craig. They drafted up the contract? Yeah, they, they signed it on the spot. Did they? Yeah, signed over the rights to they could play wheelchair. And then it was on. How cool is that? And then the wide world of sports took over. And I'll give him credit, Brent Williams and the team in there, um, Tom Malone, uh, they were like, oh, no, 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 your final's live on TV this year. So they were like, you know, the final 2019, first time ever live on TV. And you're going to hate this, and I'm sorry, but can, do you know this? My final, uh, this would have been back when you were on 10. Yeah. My final yeah. outrated the Big Bash semifinal, wheelchair tennis. Hang on, and I know that sucks, mate, but can you believe, can you actually think no, right now with joy, not that a negativity. wheelchair tennis match pulled 900,000 peak nationally when the women's final did 1.6 yeah. and Novak and that did 1.8?
Well, it's an extraordinary progression from what we're talking about from that first one, isn't it? Mate, back in 2015. Four yeah. watching my match. And I'm not bragging. I'm the lucky one. I fully appreciate that. This needs to permeate down to the next generation, even the current generation of athletes. We'll have a look here. The ball is good and Dylan has done it again for a sixth straight time. He's the Australian Open champion. But the better thing, the best thing about that event was two things. One, the top, the middle ring of Rod Laver Arena, you know, where the people in wheelchairs sit, there was 500 kids in wheelchairs there. Hmm. I'd never seen that in one spot. Come on! It's a magnificent seven. Dylan Alcott, the undisputed Australian Open king. But even more so, I use, I got a photo of a little girl sent via a mum, and she said the same thing as my dad said. Hey, I hope this isn't blurry because I'm crying, but look at this. And it was a little girl with cerebral palsy watching someone on TV like her for the very first time. And I was like, you can take back all the grand slams and gold medals. That's why I get out of bed every day. My purpose isn't winning tennis tournaments. It's that. And that's what, and I, people say, yeah, but of course now it's normal. So of course you're a famous tennis player. No. When I said I want to get on TV broadcast, I didn't think it would happen, mate. I threw it out to the world. You know, I set up, went up to Hamish McLaughlin when I was 18. I said, mate, I want to be on TV. And then from then on, he kind of helped me. And that's how I got my first job on Channel 7 commentating with him. He's like, this guy's going to be good. Trust me. And a guy called Chris Jones, Jones, who's a legend, I know James gave me an opportunity. I know him. Right? And me and Hamish commentated. I didn't know what I was doing. How'd you go first, Dan? Oh, horribly probably. No, hold, I was all right. Hold that thought on commentary. Yeah. Because uh, I want to talk to you about commentary, but I want to ask you about one other sporting event. I mentioned right off the top that at the Parallel Olympics. Yeah you'd won gold medals in two different sports, which is quite extraordinary. If you people actually think about that, two completely different sports. So yes, you get, by the way, it's not athletics and long jump. No, it's no, no, it's completely different, yeah, different yeah. sports. So the 2016 Paras, the quad doubles gold with your mate Heath. Yeah. That'll do it. They've done it. A first ever doubles gold for Australia. Dylan Alcott. And Heath Davidson are Paralympic champions. And then the singles as well. That's quite extraordinary. Yeah. That, that's quite extraordinary. To win it in basketball and then eight years later win the doubles and then the singles. Yeah, it was a good week. Oh, I, uh, yeah. you, can, you can overstate it a bit more than it's a good week. Uh, what was better, winning basketball or sing, tennis gold? People ask me. Tennis, got basketball I celebrated with my teammates. Yep. Tennis I celebrated with my family. It was cool. pretty special, mate. And to be out there by yourself and you hit, I hit a serve down the middle. I had like 10 match points and stuffed them all. I watched it actually Served this down morning. the middle with the great Brenton Spreed was the commentator. Yeah. yeah he yeah. nailed it. Mate. Yeah, he did. He did. And I hit an ace. Oh, he got a racket on it, but pretty much. Like, um, and you could just see the, I didn't smile. It was like the biggest release of relief. And everyone says that on the podcast, and it's true. Is this the moment? Big serve down the tee, and Dylan does the double. Alcott adds singles gold to his double success 24 hours ago. He's the undisputed king of men's quad tennis. You're not happy? You're just glad it's over. I did it. You get happy later few mojitos. Um, but, it, you know, it was just 
if I'd won doubles gold and not singles, I, I still wouldn't be able to get out of bed. I'd be devastated. So it was my goal, not because I wanted to win the gold, because it gave me the platform. I knew it would give me a platform yep. to do what I'm doing now. And it did. So that's why I put so much pressure on myself to do it, which was stupid. And now I don't do that because that's why I lost the calendar Grand Slam opportunity because I put pressure on myself because I wanted that platform. I wanted the Grand Slam. I wanted to be nominated for Australian of the Year. I wanted all these things to help my community. But I don't need that stuff now to be able to help my community. I've realized that. But at the time, I thought I did. So I put a lot of pressure on myself, but I was able to get it done. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, I still can't believe it, really, to be honest. More of Deal in a moment. Big ups, huge ups, as all the cool kids say, to Ange Postacoglu, who has been named manager of Celtic Football Club. Massive, massive gig. Ange came on the show way back on episode 12. It is a great episode about multiculturalism, football, passion, the Socceroos, and dreaming big. I mean, you spoke about, you know, Kathy Freeman and, and I, I, I kind of related also to the America's Cup. There was a time where you say, well, you know, no other country can really win an America's Cup. Australia certainly can't win an America's Cup. I can imagine Kathy Freeman as a young Aboriginal girl. No one told her you could win an Olympic gold medal. It's just out of the world, out of this world. And I think the World Cup's the same. I think, you know, this, we sit here and we say we can't win a World Cup. Well, we can, but imagine what it would do for us as a nation if we did win it. That's Ange Postacoglu on episode 12 of the pod. Check it out. More of Dylan now. You won Wimbledon as well. And Dylan Alcott is a Wimbledon champion. And how good was he to watch, how great was he to listen to, and how wonderful is that? The, the immediate thought I had, what does the wheelchair do to the grass? Nothing. You think it does. By, by the second week... So it's that baked at that point. But even so, like, it's not like the putting green at Augusta. It's still grass. So our marks don't... Our, our tread... I'm currently trying to find a tennis club to hit at before Wimbledon because... Uh, I'm going to Wimbledon now and we start the second week. So for the first week, where are we going to hit? And some posh Wayne Kerr tennis club yeah. in near Wimbledon has blocked us because they're going to mark the courts. Well, I'm a Wimbledon champion. But, but this is what I'm asking because if I go to a test match, right, you can't go anywhere near. Like yeah. if I've got thongs on, you can't go within 10 metres yeah. of the pitch because there'll be 15 bucks. Hey! You, Gary Nathan Lyon would be turning it sideways. Yeah. <laughs> At the back of the Wimbledon right. tennis courts, okay. it is rock hard. Okay. Although, in my because we've only been able to play Wimbledon once, which I was lucky enough to win. Geez, it's, it's lush up the front. Is it? Oh, the drop shot. You get up near the drop yeah, shot. Okay. Oh, baby, it is <laughs> nice up there. I utilize that. I realized that early, and I utilized it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I look forward to watching you at Wimbledon. One more on tennis. Uh, which US Open was it? Was it 2019 where they said there was going to be no quad tennis? No, no, 2020. 2020. Yeah. So it was 2020 US Open. Yeah. Where, from what I could see looking online, you pretty much led a one-man campaign. Oh, yeah. To get yeah it reinstated. Well, the problem was, obviously with COVID, things changed. I get that. They announced this press conference. US Open's going ahead. We've got uh, singles, men and women, doubles, men and women, no mixed, no juniors because it's not their job. Anyway, that's it. And I was like, oh, they must have forgot to mention us. Oh, no, they left it off on purpose. They cancelled it without telling us. 
without asking us. So there was no discussion. Nothing. And it was left off the press release too. And I was like, hang on. Mm. All I do is fight for not, I hate the word fighting for inclusion, but just equality. Like even as TELUS, you know, that was the most 1980s move ever. Like disability, you know, and guess what? I've got, I've got some of the biggest sponsors in the world, ANZ, Nike. The biggest brands in the world support me. How am I supposed to go to them? Yeah. Oh, by the way, they've just cut me because they don't think I'm important. I got a million people watching on TV. It's a great point. It's a great right? point. I hadn't thought of the sponsors. I was like, are you kidding me? That makes me look lesser than yep. inferior. And I just went bang online. Not like, I just, I was gutted, right? I don't get sad very often. I went on the project and Pete Helly is like, wow, I've never seen you like this. Like I was almost crying. I was like, mate, when I go on a plane, people decide if I can go on or not sometimes. Still happens. I went to a restaurant the other week, recently, five steps with my girlfriend. They go, not tonight, mate. You're going to get in the way. What? You don't decide where I get to eat. I decide where I eat. You're going to get in the way. Yeah, fire hazard. Still happens, mate. And I'm the famous one. Imagine what happens to everybody else, right? So Jeez. for them to say that to me, I was gutted, right? Anyway, did I think it would – I just – Put a couple of well-written tweets. Well, you launched a very good campaign. I didn't miss, did I? No, I saw some of your work on the Today Show, which was very, very good. And the words are great. Anyway, get a call. Hey, brother, do you mind if you we jump on a call? Just want to give you a hand. Yeah, no worries. Who asked me? Andy Murray. Andy calls me. Goes, hey, brother, I just put it in the WhatsApp. There's a there's a there's a WhatsApp of tennis players like the twenty. I say top twenty, but the twenty tennis players you can name right now are in the WhatsApp. Right. Roger, Rafa, Novak, Grigor. Andy Andy puts it in the WhatsApp, goes, hey, boys, I want to help Dill and the wheelchair tennis players here. Who supports it? 20 out of 20 go, let's go, baby. Good work, Andy. So Andy, Roger, they all call up the head of the ATP and the US Open and said, not on. <laughs> Change this. Did I think Roger and Andy were going to call me on the phone and help? No. But it shows if wheelchair tennis is good enough for them, well, then it's good enough for the public as well. But it also showed me I always still, here's my disabled insecurities coming out. Yeah. I, t- I say that I don't have any, but I, I'm lying. I always feel a little bit like I'm in the way in the locker room. I used to, right? Oh, the wheelchair guys are here. They're, annoyed, they're in the way now. We're the big show. You know, it's sympathy. It's nice they're here. No. Not, that showed yeah. that I was like an equal. If it hit, it, it, it really changed. I was like, wow. You know, Ash helped, Serena helped. They were all like, it's so great you're here. It was incredible. And credit to the US Open, we're not all perfect. When you make a mistake, what do you do? You change it. And they did. So credit to them. Not very often in the modern world. No. We, normally we dig oh, in. Man. I saw you with your man, Carl, on Channel 9. Yeah. He said he wanted to lick your face. I just want to lick your face. I mean, you are just... Oh. No, no, you know what I mean. In a good no, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a good way and weird good, not there's weird no bad. Such, there's no good way. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to ISO mullet at the moment. Yeah, it's magnificent. <laughs> Mate, man, Carlos. You know, he said, he, I want to lick your face. Speak, if you want to, you know, have a good time with the Logies, he's a dangerous right. man to hang out with. As am I, though, and as are you. Well, that's – no, I, yeah. no, I'm – see, you've always right at the front. When I'm at the Logies, I'm like, the sport people are at the back yeah, and then, then there's Bruce and Brian and then <laughs> 10 rows back, there's and, Mari and then and there's me back there somewhere. T- today's show on Sunrise, they're in the – they're yeah, smack yeah. Denya. Yeah, are, Denya at the front. Denya. Denya, always at the front. Yeah. So let's talk then about media – what, no, you know what really – 
made an impact on me was your ANZ ads. Did you see that? Yeah, wow. He played with his Fitbit. Dylan Alcott. ANZ, proud supporters of Dylan Alcott, Australian tennis, and anyone who wants to get on top of their money. Because as you said, when you went to the tennis club out of Albury. Yeah, Faguna. Faguna. And you saw old mate having a beer and driving a car and uh, having a, a, a wife and kids. And you'd never seen any of that. And I remember seeing that ad thinking... That is a perception changer. Oh, it is. For it was. Everybody. People still come up to me. Yeah. Um, it hit me right between the eyes. Good on you, brother. And thanks for telling me that because that's why I do what I do, you know. And two things about that, shout out to ANZ for taking the risk. They had this guy called Novak Djokovic, might have heard of him, dropped him. I like the thing upgraded. Right? They saved a lot of money. <laughs> I Jesus. had to say as a paycheck. Jesus. But they like, we're going to do you, right? I was like, wow. I said, they're like, what are we going to do? And I said, please don't do this. From the hospital bed, now Grand Slam champion, you know, do so not. So there's no one doing ESPN 30 for 30. Do not do the inspirational porn disabled yep. thing. Yep. Please. I, you do what you want, but you know me now. I had a year with him already as an ambassador, but not the beat the face. You know, I'm a bit of a dickhead. You know, I take the piss out of myself. You know, I love doing things that are different, having a crack. Let's let, let's let be, me be me, right? And talk about that. And they did. And that ad was powerful, wasn't it? Oh, enormous cut through. People still say to me when I go to the cafe, well, you're not going to use your Fitbit today, bro? Because I paid with my my Fitbit or Apple Watch or whatever. But that was like the turning point of being in the mainstream because how much are those ads on TV? Every ad break. Oh, yeah. To the point where now, like I'm not, and it sounds a name dropping, but like Roger is like, mate, how good are your ads? Like how good are you? Like how cool is that? Because I forget they watch. Yeah. Right. I forget they when they're ice bathing. What are they doing? They're watching their competitors. Well, it's on massive high rotation on the tennis, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Too much. Wait. No, these days. And then, now I'm singing on the new. You know, lots on there. But for a guy with a disability mm. to be at the front of one of the biggest companies in Australia, where your disability is not mentioned once, it was game changing. Right. For my life, but hopefully for the scope of everything. And we need more. And guess guess why they did it? Not for the warm fuzzies. It was their most interacted ad they've done in 10 years. So yeah. it's good business. Yeah. That's why you do it. Because people with disabilities use banks. Yep. Their families use banks. It's different. Do it because it's profitable for you, not to feel good. And people are like, oh, they're just doing it for sympathy. No, they're not. It was actually the most interacted ad because it was cool. So it changes the mindset of how you think about it. So when we're talking about mindset, it will affect two parts of the community, the able-bottled and the disabled community. So let's focus for a moment on the disabled community. There is a young Dylan Olcott out there that has seen that for the first time. And when he comes up to you and he says, mate, I saw you on that ad, or I listened to you on the radio, or... I watched you on the tennis commentary and it made me realise what you realised that that bloke at the tennis tournament, how's that make you feel? Oh, it gives me, it stuffs me up, you know, that's Does why it? I do what I do. Yeah, bloody oath, mate. And, you know, it, it's so nice when you, you hear a lot from parents, but when you actually hear it from the kids as well, yep. it's, that's where I'm like, because people would, if you're having a disabled child right now or whatever, don't wrap them in cotton wool because they're different, right? Don't, because they need to develop their own personality, get friends. Parents speak on their behalf a lot, which is lovely. The two things that stuff me up is this. 
I have a lot of dads in particular saying, hey, I just want to let you know I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old who's disabled and I still haven't come to terms with it. I pretend that I have, but I haven't. But seeing you on TV or listening right now, I just want to say thanks because now I have because I've got a hope for my kid. That's heavy and beautiful. It's a cool message. Oh, man. It's a cool message. I get almost cry thinking about it, man. It hits me up. Yeah, I bet it does. And and then also from the kids where – or even people have car accidents, mate, and go, hey, man, I've had a car accident. I haven't had sex for seven years, but I asked this person I have a crush on on a date and they said yes. It's because I saw your story. Cheers. It's like, yeah, hope you got lucky. Yeah, right. Awesome. You know what I mean? Like it's so – that's what I get off on, that stuff. Not not get off on that one. You know what I mean? Like that gets me – I don't mean that, man. I I mean that. And the the, the ads, the broadcasting, Triple J – you know, I'm on Fox now, I hit the hit network now, listener. It's it's what it was, man. It, it did everything for me. Um, How do you reckon you're going as a broadcaster? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Uh, weaknesses is I don't prep enough because I'm time poor. Yep. I like to think that I'm going to get better at it because uh, I don't know how much longer i got left at tennis. I want to go into the next spot of my life, uh, part of my life. For example, we're doing this right now. I've trained for four hours. I've eaten in the car. I then had a one-hour radio meeting and then I rushed down here. It's just, it just doesn't end. You know, but you're busy too. I'm not complaining. Uh, I think my strengths is the fact that I'm really comfortable going light and shade. We all talk about the good things, but why can't we talk about the things that actually affect us the other way as well? Uh, I think broadcasters paint a light that life's a bit too rosy, not in a negative way, but I'm happy to really go deep on who I am and – I don't say this, but my voice does things to some people. You've got a good voice. It's a weird voice. And it's something you can't control. Like I call the footy and I'm a real high-pitched dude. But That's do you know the, the best thing about you and I, about how much you know money we're going to make and how we're going to take over together? Oh, yeah. It's pretty easy to distinguish our voices. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, people aren't going to struggle there. Can Captain I, Husky and Captain High Pitch. Can I say something about my voice, my favorite, my favorite stories? I was at a music festival. I worked on Triple You've J. You've got a bit of the 1-800s about you. Well, one thing I love about radio is no one – when I started on Triple J, I had no idea what I was doing. I had to panel, I had to do everything. I, Triple J, you don't have someone you helping. You press the buttons. Everything, mate. I had one lesson. You don't even know how to push the buttons. Oh, I got no idea. Huh? Uh, Darcy's uh, laughing well, at me. Darcy doesn't really know how to push yeah, the buttons either. either. But he's better at pushing the buttons yeah. than he's at playing golf. Correct. Okay, yeah, I can yeah. assure you that. So thankfully. I had one lesson and then I started my weekend breakfast. Triple, uh, so you're weekend, pushing the buttons? Everything. I, I stuffed it up. Did so you get to air? Went uh, somehow. Right. I had dead air for like a minute. It was no good. <laughs> <laughs> this guy came up to me and goes, he was at a music festival. He'd had a few, right? And he came up to me looking like I was a ghost. And he goes, mate, I just got to tell you, this is freaking me out. I was like, why? He goes, because you're already on Orcott. I go, yeah. He goes, just judging by your voice and your love of hip hop, I thought you were this like, you know, tall black dude with dreadlocks, <laughs> but you're a white guy in a wheelchair and it's freaking me out. And I was like, bro. It's a good voice to have. And I love that that he he goes, I didn't even know you were disabled. I go, that's what it's all about. He goes, I just loved you as a broadcaster. I was like, good to hear. So what is in the media, I'll ask you, I got three more questions for you. In the media, what is your dream job? Like I've looked at things and think, wow, if I could ever do that, I'm done. Which to be completely frank with you, commentating cricket is is me done. What do you see as the ultimate role for yourself? It's changed recently. I got two. Um, You know, there's no reason why there can't be 
TV hosts like a Graham Norton, Jimmy Fallon, whatever that has a disability of some kind. We don't really do that in Australia, which is a bummer. I think all those that sort of Tonight it's Show, gone, yeah. yeah. But sort of was Rove and Steve yeah. Weiser, wasn't it? But one thing that I want to do is I feel like I've not, I haven't made it in Australia, but I, I've had a contribution. Yep. I want to take this overseas. Yeah, cool. And that was I, that was going to be my natural thought. And what I've done is, uh, stay tuned. But Ooh. I actually want to do some acting. Is this a Howie Games exclusive? It is, yeah. We don't have many exclusives little, on this show. I'm writing a script of a, a show that I want to act in, that okay. I've written uh, about, you know, my life. And, um, you know, I haven't done much acting, but it's something that I want to try. Uh, I feel like if you throw things out in the world, yeah. they happen. Like, oh, no like, doubt. No doubt. Like with Hamish, give me a job on Channel 7. Like all this stuff. Like, hey, Craig, supply demand, Rod Laver next, you know. So here we go, throwing it out there. Um there is nothing more brutal to me than watching an actor in a wheelchair who is able-bodied sitting in a wheelchair. Give that role to someone who's got a disability. Yeah. It doesn't happen, right? I want to change that. That's a really good point. Yeah. Okay. I look forward to watching the show. You're going to act? Can you act? I mean, I, I've seen your gear on TV. You're very um, good. I reckon I can Hang on. Cry. Pretending that you care about some of those big bash mashes on your 50th <laughs> in a row is acting. That's you a really are, good point, mate. You are so you, done. I'm not allowed to say that As officially. As someone who's commentated <laughs> five set tennis, I'm that done. You know I'm sitting courtside. John McEnroe, go down to Dylan. I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say this, but if someone in my position had done the entire summer and got exactly. to match 55 of the big bash and a team lost four wickets in the power play. You are done. Mm. That hard. person could it's have a, to act a little it bit. It is real hard to patch. But if you're inviting me to get involved, well, I would love to be involved. My favourite when you just like, you do that and you're like, so Warney, give us some stories, <laughs> brother. you got to help. That means they've oh, lost three weeks in the power Andrew play. Andrew already taken five for their yeah, That's all it. Over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm yeah. glad you're watching. Yeah. So what is the – in. 30 years time. What are you now? I just turned 30. Okay. So you, it's your 60th birthday and people say, wow, the last 30 years has been incredible. And you say to them, this is the thing that I'm most proud of achieving in the last 30 years. Well, what's it going to be in your perfect world? Geez, I'll be fat, I reckon. That's right. what I'm worried about. You get on uh, the I tell you what I hope it is, having some beautiful children. Okay. I love Chantel. We're going to try have kids soon and that'd be amazing. Is there any interest because he's involved there that uh, are going to be a problem or not? Potentially, don't know. Okay. Testing at the moment. Right. Um, I'm more than happy to test tube them up IVF style and yep. have twins. Yeah. I want a boy and a girl twin hey, straight hey, up. Hey, did you see that lady and last night on the news that had nine? Oh, imagine. Do you know? Nine. So just be careful back, when you get the test tubes out. Back when they used to, um, when there was a bit uh, cowboyish with IVF, yeah. uh, they used to like put lots of, oh, it doesn't really work. And put as many in there as you can. You're in a wheelchair and you have triplets and Chanel's like, well, I can't help either. So we don't want that. Um, but in terms of So what, having a family. Yep, family, but career-wise is this. I just want to, in a very, 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 very small way, yep. play a part in changing the perceptions for my community. And I want to look back in this. The example I give is this. Ten years ago, if you were homophobic at work, you might have got away with it. Maybe. Now, you're done. Correct. As you should be. Yep. If you discriminate against people with disability at the moment, you might get away with it. But now I want to look back in hopefully five years, but let alone 30, where disability is just normal. They are prime ministers. They are singers. Mm. They are sports people. They are mums and dads. They are school teachers. If I can play even a small role in that, that's what I want. And this sounds stupid, but someone that I work with describes the environment wasn't cool before Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin made it cool. Mm. Right? Mm. I'm not saying I want to be the Steve Irwin of disability, but in some way, if I can contribute to that, I'd love to do that. 
Because disability is cool. It is sexy. It is fun. We are talented. But everyone sees us as these little disabled people who can't do anything. And that is, it's got to change that. And people see us as disabled people who can't do anything. And that's not true, man. It's not. It's not my life. And people think the hardest part of someone's life is no ramp or no elevator. That's annoying. But to get over it, the hardest part of someone's life with a disability is a lack of expectation of what people think you can do hmm. because they take opportunities away from you. So let's change that. And that's why I get out of bed. And if I win an Oscar for acting, well, then that's cool too. You won a Logie. Hey. Oscar's the next natural step. I was going to say, it is, yeah, true. And then all I need is a Grammy or an Aria. And now I've got the, I could do like a comedy. I don't know what I How many do. Logies you got? Just the one. I right. got their best new talent for, because right. I interviewed Prince Harry and got him to put budgie smugglers on. I remember that. Even though they said, don't do anything stupid. And I went for it. And Harry said, oh, that was the best interview I've had in years. How was Harry? Oh, God, he was a good bloke. Is he? So funny. They give you protocols. What you can and can't say? But they go, they go. oh, no, there aren't protocols. Uh, there are just recommendations, protocols. <laughs> and they go, you can't call it an interview. It's a conversation, whatever. Come up. He walks up. And as soon as, you know, he, you got to wait for him to put the hand out. I stuffed up. I put my hand out. We're talking. You know, the, the, the thing that I, and you'll agree with this, no matter from he's the, one of the most famous people in the world to whoever, they just want to be treated for who they are, yeah. which is a person. Yep. So I got all these BS I couldn't do. I said, he's going to hate that. People do that to me about disability. Yeah. I'm like, just let's go. Have Ask a, me. Have a chat. I'm going to go for it. So I went for it. Back and forth was great. Uh, I said I said to him, he had budgie smuggles. I said, you're not the most tan unit going around, so <laughs> make sure you put some sunscreen on. <laughs> Idiot. Gave him a hug when we finished. And he was like, he said to his press secretary, oh, Harry just, uh, Harry just said that was the best interview he's done in years. And I said to her, oh, I thought it was a conversation, not an interview. And he, I like it. You like it? And can I, like I the, one of the coolest things ever. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, um, his Royal Highness and, and the Duchess sent me a handwritten letter when I won Wimbledon. Did they? Yeah, it's on my fridge. People say frame it. It's just on my fridge. You know, it got like magnets on it. And he's like, Dill... Uh, Dylan, just want to say congrats on Wimbledon. Thanks for your work on the Invictus Games. And I wore my budgie smugglers in the pool the other day. <laughs> Hope you're wearing yours. Sign Harry. Pretty sick. Yeah, good sir. And speaking of people getting a bad rap <laughs> online that we spoke about yeah, way, we did, way earlier. Yeah, right at the start. I'm telling you, they're just people. So check yourself. Correct. When you're chucking it out there. Correct. I, I, I was just, I brought up the Logie with you. It's not something I would normally do, but you're that type of character. When you talked about the individual or the team gold medal at the parallel games, so <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. My three logies. Yeah, there you go. But in a team Big environment, oh, they count as yours. Well, yeah. So if I've worked on a footy broadcast, a oh. motor racing broadcast, and a cricket broadcast, and uh, a one logies, like am I a yeah, three-time logie winner? winner? Hang on, did you get that? Do they give? So when you win a gold medal, there's twelve. Was there five Logies no. in the team? Well, then no, you haven't got a Logie. And I only got on stage once. Have you got the Logie at home? No. Can I tell you something about the Logies? <laughs> so you're telling me I'm not a three-time Logie winner? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll round up. You can have it. But <laughs> the the people walk into my house. I don't have – most of my trophies aren't shown. I don't like it. But I'm lucky I won a few, so there's a few, few around. Wimbledon, French, US, the gold medals, they're all hidden, but they come out. Yeah. Guess what people love the most? The Logie. The Logie. Why? You know, you're a Logie winner. Yeah, three times. People love, there's something funny about it. Is it because it's lame? I think it's because it's kitsch. I'm not kidding. People walk in, especially after a few beers, they're like, 
I love it. Because it's kids, because oh, we've grown up with it. They love it. It's the biggest one. Maybe because it used to mean so. But anyway, anyway, I got one last question for you. We always finish this show. Uh, before we finish, no, I'll ask you the last question first. For all the kids out there that want to achieve something in their life, that they want to be a tennis player or a basketball or a scientist or a pianist or just a good person, but they want to achieve success in their life, what advice would you give them from your experiences built up over 30 years now? I was an imposter. I was always to trying to be someone I wasn't because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be able-bodied. I wanted to be like my brother. I wanted to be like you, Howie. I can't be you. As soon as I was me, proud of me, authentically me, but most importantly did everything through a lens of being a good person, my life changed straight away. Hmm. Have a crack. I'm not saying – I underestimate how hard I work. I don't really talk about it, but I work my ass off. That's why I've had, that's why I've had success. But most importantly, I am proudly, authentically me. And that's why people have bought into my story. If I didn't take the piss out of my own wheelchair like I do with my friends publicly, would have I cut through? Maybe not. If I didn't be me, would have I got given the platform? I don't think I would have. That's why I've had success. And whether you want to be a scientist, a great mum, a great dad, a school teacher, whatever, be you, be proud of you, have a crack. And I promise you, you look back on your life and be proud of it because you did everything you could to live the best life you can. It's a great answer. It's a touching answer. It encapsulates the last two hours we've been speaking about. From where I sit, I asked you what you're good at and bad at in the media. I'm terrible at a lot of things. If I was asked what my main strength would be, it would be to be able to make people feel relaxed mm -hmm. and calm and happy to talk. You... Did that to me today tell. in that's the first cool. 15 minutes. Thank you. You did that to me as well. Uh, yeah, but that's my job. And the fact you did it to me is really cool. And I want to say thanks for that. And for coming on the show, it was outstanding. I didn't know where we were going to go. I didn't know what to dance around and what not to dance around. And you established in the first five minutes just to well, ask the questions. I can establish you're a good dancer now. Well, yeah. Because you yeah. just get stuck in it. Yeah. Well, no, it was fantastic, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. I know it'll mean a lot to a lot of people. Um, and you've just proven furthermore that you're just a good bloke. Good luck at Wimbledon. Good luck moving forward in the media. Good luck with that 1-800 voice. Good luck being an actor, Thank winning you. an Oscar, a Grammy, that. whatever else. Welcome to the Howie Games. Oh, nice, isn't it? Mate, I've been a fan from afar. <laughs> Thanks, mate. And now, friend, love your work. Good man, well done. Thanks, mate. Thanks to Dylan so much for coming on the show and for encouraging questions that can be hard to know how to ask and for generally being a good-hearted, positive style of operator. This is a good man. As an aside, the show continues to grow, which is thanks to all you good people for listening and for passing the show on to your crew. Love you for it. Until next Thursday with the wonderful, wonderful Sandy Roberts. Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try Listener